You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord, be with us now. Um, take this time and make it yours. Uh, uh, Lord, to come back into into church, it's just, um, Lord, is a, a joy. Uh, a thank you for, for this group, um, for this church, for this body. I pray now that you would open your word to us and open us to your word. Um, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, since we don't have Bibles, it's okay. Um, I made copies of the first part of Galatians. Um, yeah, would you mind? Thank you. Um, short series. Um, uh, first one I've taught since March, which is crazy. I know everybody's saying that, but it's just kind of a, a giddy feeling almost to, to get this going again. Um, on Galatians, um, five weeks, um, take us to the Sunday right before uh, Christmas, then probably do a Christmas class that, that last Sunday uh, in, in December, last Sunday before Christmas. Uh, the book of Galatians, um, why? Uh, it, more than anything else, uh, it started with Galatians 5.1 which says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Um, this is my own process and how it came to place, it came to decide why Galatians here at the beginning of, a, of, a, of starting things up again. The word freedom, just such a central word for us, such a central word for Christians, and in a, in a word that I find to be lacking a lot in kind of our contemporary Discourse among one another, thinking sort of globally um, and then locally in our in our country and some of what's going on, uh, to find freedom and not freedom just sort of plucked out. Certainly, the freedoms that we celebrate, like we prayed this morning for for the veterans who have lost their lives, defending our freedoms. That's absolutely and certainly a part. Uh, but even more than that, what does it mean to have what somebody called the peculiar freedom of the gospel? And humbly, we'll chase that tale once more time uh, to try to find what it means when the Scripture, um, and more specifically when when Paul and the New Testament speak about freedom, what it means to be free in Christ, uh, what it means to be uh, given freedom, what it means that freedom is now occupying us, because there's a personification there. Um, that's going to be a little bit of what's going on here. Um, that's where it started, and then it kind of backed up. Uh, this is a, almost telling you where we're going to end up. Um, that'll be the fourth week. We'll do something on the fifth week to kind of tie things up about where Paul says um, uh, the centrality of the cross of Christ and being marked with the marks of Jesus and what that might mean. But then we'll go backwards. Um, there'll be freedom, and then back from that where some of the, the thunder of Paul, I mean, come, some of his, his great one-liners come from Galatians, and one of them is going to be familiar to us out of 328. Um, there is now neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. What in the world that might mean? And we'll have that drip of freedom around that as well. And then before that, hey Mary Shelton, come on in. Um, uh, out of 221, I think it is, um, the whole not I but Christ Paradigm. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, for I have been crucified with Christ. Um, and then this morning, uh, kind of an intro where we're looking at a, 
the beginnings of of, uh, of the book. A little bit of Johnny Cash, Lord willing, at the end of the the hour. Um, uh, and then before that, so these are uh, Richard Thomas, not to be confused with John Boy, Richard Thomas. There's three people left. I knew somebody would. Um, uh, he was the actor, still is, still alive, uh, who played John Boy on the Waltons, but a, a, a kind of a turn-of-the-century American sculptor who uh, wanted to capture, I think, the question, what does salvation feel like? And I think that's a great question, actually. Simeon Zoll is asking that question in academic circles right now, and it's a, it's a question that needs to be asked. So that's the intro. That's kind of a, just a way to... You always wonder, how is this going to start? And I don't really know, but that's a good way to start it, um, to uh, let things ride. So any thoughts there? Just kind of thinking about Galatians, um, uh, which we haven't said anything about per se, but some of the great one-liners of Paul. Um, for me, it started as a, uh, a consideration of the word freedom. And so I think, I'm never really sure, but I think that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in the next four or five weeks. Um, we're recording the classes. We're kind of getting back in that place, and so I'm wearing this. And Carolyn Lankford's teaching one, and Andrew's teaching the dean's class, plus the sermons. And we're redoing the audio on the website. Thanks be to God to make it more um, user friendly and and, uh, and searchable and accessible. So we're we're kind of getting back into all that. Any thoughts or any questions? Otherwise, we're going to dive in. Well, I'm just reminded of Paul being in prison. Yep. And his expression of his freedom in Christ yep. if we see either the government or our peers or whatever putting more restrictions on us masks yep. Yep. where we can go and where we can't go but still being ultimately free yeah. regardless of what the world might throw at us yeah yeah. I know it's some a question a lot of us are asking I mean is it can, can Christians who are free submit Saying like, okay, I'll wear a mask, whether because I think it's right or because I'm being told to, and that's certainly a question I think a lot of us want to ask. And if that's that comes up, which I think it will, it already has. Um, you know, we certainly should should think about that. But yeah, Paul's prison epistles, Colossians, Philippians, and uh, and Ephesians. He's writing, um, at least certainly some of the time, literally in chains, and he's talking about. Joy. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brethren, um, when you suffer trials of any kind. For I am a free man, bound in chains. But I am a free man. It's you know, it's a, it's a great word. It's a great word. So you gonna ask something, Rachel? Oh, okay. Well, let's read. Um, gonna read just the first twelve verses out of Galatians, and we'll go back and we'll pick them apart, probably in three parts. Um, Paul and apostle. Not from men, uh, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who calls you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and who want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, 
If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Um, what's not in front of you um, out of Galatians 4 is this, out of, uh, verses 8 and 9 out of chapter 4. Um, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved. Uh, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather are known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want? Who, sorry, whose slaves you want to be once more? All that is this great sort of interruption that Paul gives himself that I think of often. Uh, now that you know God, and he says, or rather, are known by God, and then he resets. That's Galatians. Um, in a nutshell, I think it's one of the great signature verses of Galatians, where Paul wants to play with semantics and linguistic philosophy and linguistics and all that are right now you know, very much in vogue. Um, uh, and Paul, he plays the game. He says, all right, let's, let's, let's think about tenses of verbs and nouns and how we, uh, how we say things and the power of words and what we can do. And he says, because it matters. Now that you know God, or rather are known by God, uh, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Strong language that I think we'll probably keep coming back to again and again and again. I wish Paul would do this more often where he speaks in the active voice and then turns over to the passive where he's saying, like, we all know, don't we, that we're speaking in the active just because that's how, that's how we speak to one another. But Mark, when God is the actor, we are 100% of the time the actee. He acts upon us. And so we receive, you might even say suffer, his work on us. And there's that play on words with with suffer, which is the word passio, which is where we get the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is both the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ and also the passive activity where our Lord Jesus Christ um, uh, suffered or received the will of the Father. Um, and he'll come to that in Galatians. The will of the Father that he would be delivered for our sins and raised for our justification. For it is God who raised Christ from the dead. Paul's going to make a point to say, which he did right there in verse 4. Um, so this, this idea of Paul interrupting just to reset the table and to always, um, uh, a phrase I use sometimes, to praise passivity. He's always praising passivity uh, to find uh, uh, God's activity on us. Now the question may come up even in your minds, so does mine when as soon as I say that, well, what about us? I mean, are we not active? And he says, we'll get there. Absolutely. Galatians, especially the last two chapters, is a glorious treatise of, um, of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., uh, that's all there in Galatians as well. And it's fruit, which follows the root um, as faith expresses itself as love. Also there in 
in, uh, in chapter 5. And so we'll find all that. Um, but to, to, to start off, um, I wanted to go out of order and sort of set the tone with, uh, with Paul's own words of thinking about how we are in the receptive position. We're receiving, you might even say, suffering the work of God through the Word of God as it does its work on us. And again, I'm going to keep pointing back to Mr. Thomas back here, who we will look at in just a minute. We think about verse 3. Um, so Galatians, just briefly, until you want to know this, um, uh, widely regarded as an authentic letter of Paul for people that kind of care about that sort of thing. Um, Galatians, Romans, uh, uh, some, of the, some of the letters, I don't want to go here very long. Um, people wonder, is this all Paul? It was redacted and partly Paul. Few people say, um, that most scholars would say this is 100% Paul. Um, Paul was, it's undisputed, he's a real man who actually lived and he wrote and traveled and did a lot of the things that Acts describes. Uh, and this is, this is a church that he started in Galatia and this is Paul's letter. Probably one of his first letters, um, which is kind of interesting, maybe about 15, 16 years after Christ died, um, the letter of Galatians appears. So it's very early in the canon, predating most of the Gospels, in fact. Uh, we kind of have a good guess of this because if you look in Acts 15, with the, it's hard to talk with this thing on, um, with the Jerusalem Council, um, in a, which, which is centrally about the discussion, we're not going to go too far into this, between what to do about Gentiles who are becoming believers. In other words, non-Jews who are becoming believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, do they need to go back to the Mosaic law, especially things like circumcision and the ceremonial acts? Um, the, the first council in Jerusalem settled that question. It would have been very convenient for Paul in his argument to Galatians if he could have said, look, we've already talked about this. We all got together in Jerusalem last year. Don't you remember? We, we wrote a... We wrote a treatise and we, 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 we put it on the internet and we posted it and everybody should read that if you need to know it. He doesn't do that, which makes people think, makes us think that this is probably just before that gathering happened. And that was in, um, I think it was 49. So this is probably like right, right before then in 1948. In 48 uh, AD. So very, very soon after, 15, 16 years after Christ died, which isn't long. I mean, you think about it. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to point anything out, but some of my clothing that I'm wearing right now is older than that, much older than that, in fact. Um, and so it is a very recent event that Paul is speaking of, where his unvarnished, um, abrasive words that he, uh, where he upbraids the, uh, the, uh, the church that he started in Galatians. And there's more to say. It's really an interesting letter with all that. So with that, let's just jump in and sort of pick apart the text. Um, first three verses. Paul, an apostle. What's an apostle? Um, has to do centrally with the, word, the idea of being sent. An apostle is one who is sent. And you can look at capital A and lowercase a. The apostles, those that wrote um, the New Testament, those who were given canonical authority to write the New Testament, whose letters re received into the Bible. Um, capital A, because they were sent directly by Christ himself um, to go out into the world um, in the power, the specific power, uh, the specific power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so those apostles, um, uh, uh, Paul and, 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 and Mark and John, 
they have the capital A authority. All of us could have uh, uh, an apostleship attached to us because we're sent with a lowercase a. Um, but Paul, one who is sent with a message, one who is commissioned uh, with a message to go out, not from and he asks, not from and then he says, you know, who gave me that commission? Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, comma, who raised him from the dead. Why does that matter? Um, Paul, right out of the gate, um, remember only 15 years previous, he wants to sort of issue Christ's bona fides, as it were, um, uh, that he was acted upon uh, by God the Father and raised from the dead. Um, he's pulling together God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, non-jealous each of the other, uh, each receiving the work um, from the other, God who raised Jesus from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. It's fun to think about what is a church, especially in the New Testament at this time. It's nothing like what we're in now. It's just a gathering to the assemblies, to the gatherings, to the ecclesia, or the ecclesia, you can say it either way, of, uh, of those houses where people are coming together beneath the word of God um, to break bread and for prayer. Uh, to all those people who are starting to go out, to each one of those house groups, small groups as it were, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that's where I want to stop just for a little bit. I didn't see this coming, but as I was thinking about it yesterday, um, what a phrase. What a benediction. Um, I mean, it trips off my tongue so much. It trips off all of our tongue. Grace and peace. It's just blah, blah, blah. It's just the monosyllabic kind of introduction that Paul has and, and others in the New Testament um, often. And I slowed down a little bit. A little bit of reading, a little bit of thinking, a little bit of praying. Um, I don't think it appears uh, in the vernacular until Christ. Until Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, and then suddenly it starts to come out almost as the standard greeting. Grace and peace. Um, you probably walk into a house, grace and peace. Grace, the, uh, uh, the source of our salvation. And peace, the, the state or the condition that follows our salvation. Um, the grace that releases sin. And the peace that makes our consciences and our souls quiet and content. Um, uh, it drips with freedom. This idea of grace, which comes first, and then peace. You wouldn't say peace and grace. Grace, from the very God of very God, from the center part of who He is, the attribute, one of the central attributes of God, as it sometimes is called, uh, where he, he, uh, he allows that part of himself to be known and given, and then uh, we suffer it and we receive it. Grace to you and peace. The peace which passes understanding, um, which goes beyond understanding. It's not simply a cognitive appraisal where you realize, oh, well, that makes sense. There is a state or an abiding condition of, uh, of something which uh, stands up irrespective of circumstance. So that Paul, while in prison, and others who've suffered for the hundreds of years for the faith, can somehow have a, uh, an element of joy, of peace, of kindness, of patience, of gentleness, even in the midst of... Uh, of, uh, of suffering, of real pain, of vitriol, um, 
Uh, and that's where I came in with, with this idea. Um, so Andrew, as I mentioned, he was uh, in South Carolina for, for some of the summer visiting family and taking, taking a break and working from there. Uh, and he found these in some shop, and it's a, an artist named Richard Thomas, who I don't think is of any um, significant renown. I've, I've since Googled him and all, and there's not a whole lot on him. Um, but he was a Christian and a sculptor, uh, and this is an autobiography, three busts that he did. Um, he was born in 1872, so this is probably like 1920, thereabouts, from New England. So I was talking to David earlier. Some people don't like the hair because it looks like dollops of ice cream or you know, burl cream or something else like that. But I think of this and I think, great Gatsby. You know, this is right in the era, right in the, in the place. I and mean, this is this is well-to-do Boston, um, where it's the uh, what salvation feels like. And that's not what he called it. That's what I'm calling it. Where it's the sense of, of the conviction of sin, the, the surprise by joy, the surprise by grace, to borrow... Um, uh, C.S. Lewis's phrase, and then the contentment that follows. But just looking at it, and we can talk. I'd love to interact with this with some of y'all. This is the first time we've we've shown this to people. We want to find a table so we can put this somewhere here in the uh, in the church. Uh, the conviction of sin, just the way that his face is drawn, and and this is the work Paul's going to say this in Galatians. A lot of law, gospel in Galatians, where the the laws work as the word of God, holy, right, and true. Uh, is delivering a right verdict of his condition, of his need, that apart from Christ, uh, judgment is certain and final and sure and swift. And he's just overcome with his own state of need um, and in pain. Uh, and then surprised by joy, um, or as Tim Keller repeats, in his description of uh, the gospel, they're far worse than we'd ever dare believe, but we're far more loved than we can ever dare hope or dream. And to see that in his face, where it's the sudden, swift deliverance of, uh, of literally the coup de grace, the stroke or the, uh, the death knell of grace, um, where it kills the old Adam and the new creature is brought forth and he's just surprised and overwhelmed and overjoyed. I mean, and he captures that here. Um, almost to the point where it looks it's just slightly ridiculous. But that's that's kind of what it, it is, I think, isn't it? Um, and then this last one, where interestingly, he's not wearing anything, you know, uh, perhaps naked and unashamed, um, content to rest, being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which is not visible to anyone but God the Father. Um, I'm not sure of that. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, but content, peace, the abiding state and condition which nothing and no thing uh, in heaven nor on earth nor under the earth can touch to separate this man from the love of God which art in Christ Jesus our Lord. And just a sense of, uh, you know, to use an old phrase, I'm okay. <laughs> which is where, where justify means when we think about justification. It's rightfully a dressed up, dense, dense, dense theological word. But underneath it all, it just means I'm okay to be justified. Um, and it is God who justifies. We suffer the word. Paul tells us that in Romans 8. It is God who justifies. And now he's okay. Even like Adam and Eve uh, before uh, when they were naked and unashamed. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, who told you that you were naked? Um, and now it's like, uh, I've forgotten. Forgotten. 
uh, my state and condition because now I'm, I'm simply content and I'm at peace. Grace and peace from God our Father um, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say a little bit more, but let me stop. Any interactions with, with these busts? Any thoughts that are going on? Like I said, it's the first time, except for a few people on staff, you know, have, uh, have really seen it. I've been sitting right here in front of him. Yeah, yeah. The third one is the only one with his eyes open, and his eyes are very piercing. Yeah. I've been confident and assured, but, uh, I mean, you know, at least for me, he's staring right at me. Yeah, that's good. Somewhat convicting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open the eyes of my heart. I hear that, too. Where now he sees, awake, arise, O sleeper, and, and remain awake. See things as they actually are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that third one is the one that struck me. There's something about sort of looking intently mm. at reality, mm-hmm. what, things, mm-hmm. what it is, you know, what things are. Mm-hmm. Rod Rodriguez. Um, what salvation feels like, um, where sin and our consciences may be uh, uh, troubling all too often the monsters that 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 overwhelm us, whether it's just the knowledge externally of, you know, I have sinned, or internally, um, my conscience is is bound and I can I can have no peace, I can have no escape, I can have no freedom. Uh, here's the release. What a benediction, grace. And peace, um, a good word, a benediction, uh, which imparts and begins to deliver the thing which it states. Um, here, have this. It's yours. No strings attached. Grace and peace. And then, interestingly, what does he do? He doesn't just say grace to you and peace from God. Um, doesn't even say peace from God our Father, which is also interesting. He quickly goes and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say, why, why there? And you know, let's go back and remember that. Why is it necessary to add and the Lord Jesus Christ? Why not just say grace and peace from God? Um, to be a little bit impish. I don't think Scripture finds itself convinced of a lot of the the, uh, the, 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 the modern, and by that I mean enlightenment, post-enlightenment ideas that, that, that God unhinged from Christ is enough. That God unhinged from Christ is knowable. That God unhinged from Christ is approachable. That God unhinged from Christ is, in fact, good news. There's the word gospel, good news. Um, that God knows you on its own is not God. That God knows you unhinged from Christ is not good news. And then three things come to my mind whenever I think of this. Um, I looked for it on my my uh, computer and I couldn't find it, but back before there were email. Um, maybe in the very early days, maybe the very early days, I remember getting one, or it could have been by fax because of the whole punchline. I remember it was a fax that somebody sent a fax to, and it was, I think it's almost certainly an urban legend. Now, this is the sort of thing you might have even sent it to me, I don't know. Um, where uh, somebody sent a fax to 10 businessmen or 10 CEOs or something like that. There's very cryptically said, no time to explain, but the gig is up, everything is known. And then as the legend goes, uh, seven out of the ten you know, left the country immediately, one might have committed suicide, um, they just uh, 
they ran because to be discovered, to be found out is the idea. To be known is not good news. Or the second one out of the uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Is that right? So, so is it true? Feels to me even like well, it's sort of an urban legend sort of thing. I, say, I want to say it was Chesterton or somebody like that sent out telegraph. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been a fax, but so, um, so it's probably been played many times in different ways. But but the point is made. You know, we've all got something. Yeah, what's that? Merry Christmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Um, the seeing eye of Sauron, um, which is on the back of our dollar bill to the whole providential eye of God, the, the eye that never blinks, that, uh, uh, that, is, that as Tolkien said, the eye of Sauron, that, that, uh, the eye of Sauron the terrible, few could endure. Even his gaze, his unblinking gaze, the unblinking gaze of God which then takes us to the collective purity, which is a lovely prayer. And I think I feel it as gospel just because I know the punchline. But up until the colon, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. If we stopped there, quake, you know, then it's here. Um, uh, Even the word almighty, just to pick apart words again. Um, that's not the warm and near almightiness of God. That's uh, uh, the one, I just read Job again, who, who can string up the Leviathan with, uh, by putting a rope through its nose. It's nothing to God, that kind of God. Uh, unhinged from Christ, that's not good news. Um, Exodus 33, Moses pleading with God to show him his glory, and then God responds, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. That's God revealing his own self. You know, God, as he exists within himself, as it's sometimes said, in his majesty, his terrible majesty, the writer of Hebrews, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Um, that sense of God who we can't take. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you know our faces would melt if we beheld the glory of God. Uh, and then the thunder of Christmas comes. Because all that's outside of Christ. And here, as Paul picked it up in, in, in Galatians 4, uh, again, this is why he said, Grace and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, for he says in Galatians 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Or even more than that, um, out of a. Uh, uh, the, the, the first chapter of John 4, the Word became flesh. The Word which is around from the very beginning without whom nothing was made that had been made. Uh, and we realize that that Word is Christ Jesus. Now God is preaching Himself into flesh, uh, pouring Him into a woman um, uh, uh, born under the law in the fullness of time in this world. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. That echoes back to uh, uh, Exodus 33, where Moses wants to behold the glory of God. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Uh, for in his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was received through Moses, given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, Christ Jesus, has made him God known. That is such good news that now, Almighty God, um, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom the secrets are hid, uh, we can say, Lord, have mercy. And he said, I did. Here's my son. Come to me, um, and it's going to be okay. Contentment, peace. Um, so this is what Paul is going to then begin to unwrap here in Galatians. You know, familiar phrase, but it's good just to go back and think, what is this thing we call the gospel? This good news. It's not a gospel, because that's what the word was it was around it just means literally a good message a good word a good news and so it's not a gospel it's the gospel it's the very particular gospel which is where paul is going to say i can't believe that you've already deserted like a soldier deserts his post the gospel not a gospel but the gospel um, and gone to another one as if there is one there isn't another one you idiots is what he says um, I can't believe you did that. What is this gospel? I think, um, you know, because we're, 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 we say it, and I love that we do, we're a gospel-centered parish, and, and, uh, and since we've been saying it, it's out there more and more often. You know, it's a gospel-centered sermon, or a gospel-centered ministry, or a gospel-centered whatever. Um, the gospel, in short, is Christ for sinners. Not even just Christ for you, because that can get turned around. It's like, which you are you talking about? Is this the you after I'm a Christian um, or the you before? It's just Christ for sinners. Um, and that's the word that we have in our mouth. That's the word that Paul has in his mouth here in Galatians, where he's going to come back and say that gospel, the gospel has Christ for sinners, and this is for you. How quickly you've gone away from that. Come back. And he's gonna, he's, that's going to be the unwrapping. So that's the long intro. I knew it was going to be long. It meant to be that long. It wasn't, wasn't unplanned. Um, and then we'll, we'll go through the rest of the verses here in just a minute. But any thoughts, any interactions with that? This, just the first three verses, um, really the first three and a half. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, well, I'm taking back to... I guess Paul's conversion when yep. Ananias is going to get glorified Lord tells him that he has to know how he's going to have to suffer for my name. Mm. So in that peace, just like he's in prison, peace isn't what we think it mm. is. Mm. I guess it's bottom line. What God means in these words are almost alien. Yeah, yeah. It's a higher type of peace. Yeah. That's good. These alien words, I like that. Um, I'm going to go there, at least I intend to. That's the whole Johnny Cash part of, uh, of Paul's conversion. Talk about his receiving a revelation from Jesus Christ, which makes him an apostle with a capital A. Um, anybody else? Joe, can I ask you about the timeline yeah. a little bit? Sure. Paul, he was a Roman citizen, but a Pharisee, and according to Google, he was 
uh, educated in, in Jerusalem, and his age overlapped with Jesus. But there, I don't know of anywhere unless, I don't, maybe I should know this, he never actually met or was in the presence of Jesus that he mentioned. Yeah. Although he mentioned the stoning of Stephen and so forth. Correct. And uh, so he would be a person like us who's never been in the presence of Jesus but was converted after Jesus' resurrection. That's one thing we have in common with him. And his interaction with the disciples who did have those bona fides, uh, he came along kind of later. Can you comment on their interaction with each other? Do they have any, was it, you know, he was kind of the new kid on the block. Right, right. Point. Yeah, the other the other apostles that I catch that right, or the other those that have been with Jesus. Yeah, so that's where he's um, Paul in a couple of places has to prove himself, as it were. Um, yep, um, it's in Acts, Second Corinthians. Um, Where's the other one that he talks about? Sort of, you know, where I was. Second Corinthians, where I'm out of my mind for talking about this. Where he has to sort of, as it were, prove his apostleship. Why um, I I I've been given, and that's what he's going to say here in verse 12, authority. He's like, I didn't ask for this, but I've been given this. And he doesn't shirk it. He doesn't go away from it. And it's all because he met the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And he he has to convince him. And he convinces Peter, who then speaks for him and vouches, uh, even though they had some differences. uh, And then the brothers accepted him. But it was was touch and go. It's it's a very human story where who is this guy? We were together. We were in the upper room. Paul wasn't there. He was off persecuting Christians. Um, uh, he wanted to kill us. Remember so-and-so and so-and-so? They're dead because of him. Why would we take him in? Um, and, uh, and by the Lord's grace and peace, something of this, with the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he's allowed in. Into the brethren, as they called it. Um, just the fellowship of believers, um, this, uh, this loose but growing connection amongst the churches, the gatherings in houses uh, at this point, still very much clandestine. That doesn't all point out that he did not gather his knowledge from the disciples, that he went to Arabia and was somehow inspired by God. Mm-hmm. Let's just read um, uh, right down there in verse 12. For I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it. So let's back up and let's uh, let's work our way there. So starting in at verse 3, I'm going to move quickly here. Um, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself um, for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. No one takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord so that I may, lay, I may take it up again. Uh, Christ gave himself. That's his active obedience. Ours is a passive obedience. This is active righteousness, so to speak. Um, and ours is passive. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us or rescue us. The word there could be both uh, from the present evil age, according to the will or the pleasure of God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lots to say, but let's keep going. I am astonished. Um, it could be I, in some of the different translations. I marvel. Um, I am surprised. I am uh, I am in disbelief that you would so quickly desert. Um, uh, uh, it's to transfer your membership or your allegiance. That you would so quickly uh, 
transfer your membership card from A to B. Um, uh, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you. It's going to come back to that word, to be a troubler, an agitator, um, to, uh, to disturb, uh, uh, which means to shake up. Remember, turbidity is like a... Think turbidity, like a turbid water has a bunch of mud and muck and leaves all sort of in there, and that's what an agitator does, or what's what it is to disturb still water, that you would be shook up like this. You would want to distort or turn and twist the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven should gospel to you a gospel, I'll say about that in just a minute. Interesting, I thought of this yesterday. Um, that's that's the whole. This is this is what happened with the Mormon Church. Um, uh, the angel was it Moroni was a descendant of Mormon. Uh, appeared to Joseph Smith and preached to him, gospeled him another gospel. Uh, or at least that's the idea. Um, Paul saw all this coming, and we've got all sorts of others. It's just not that one extreme. It could be, you know. You know, I like chocolate, and that could be the thing that pulls me away. Um, even if an angel from heaven or chocolate um, should preach to me a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. So I said gospel to you, a gospel. Interesting that here Paul, again, let's get down to words. Just, this is what seems to be going on right now, and I love it. I love words. Uh, the word here for preached, a little bit of Greek, sorry, is uh, is euangeliso. Can you hear euangelion in that? Um they use nouns and verbs in a way that sometimes is really helpful. Greek, the Greek language does. That I euangelizdo you, the, euangeli, the, the euangelion. I preached to you, I gospeled you the gospel, the gospel. Um, and he's gonna, so he's going to play that through all of this just to sort of hit it for sure, the gospel that we're talking about. I gospeled you the gospel. Uh, uh, let him be accursed if someone should preach to you a gospel other than the actual gospel, to be cut off, to be separated, um, to be anathematized. That's the word that we borrow from it. To be uh, uh, broken off from the fellowship um, or like a branch removed from the trunk and thrown away, bound up, and burned. Um, As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching, is gospeling you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Or am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And now wrapping up. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was gospeled by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So it wasn't a gift from uh, another human. And nor did he get it um, in his study. He was, you know... Uh, under in the school of Gamaliel, uh, uh, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, you know, uh, a Jew, of, you know, renown. Uh, he know what it means to to teach and to be taught, and he didn't receive it in that way. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, through an apocalypse, or a disclosure, or a revelation of Christ Jesus. And so here, let's wrap up with this. Johnny Cash, we all know him. Um, he wrote in 19... There's a picture of him. How about that? Um, 1986, he wrote a novel um, based on the Apostle Paul, which he called The Man in White. Um, uh, it's pretty good, actually. Um, he had done a lot of study. Once he 
gave his life over and, and became a convinced believer. He 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 went all in. He went all in. Um, and uh, I don't think he got a degree, but he, he could have. And he wrote. He loved Paul, and he wrote a book on it. It's kind of a historical novel based upon Paul's life. And here's his description out of Acts nine. I should probably read that real fast. Um, uh, this is Paul's conversion as he's on the road to Damascus and gets knocked off his horse by a bright light. We know that story. Let's just hear it real fast, and then we'll hear how Paul received this revelation. So this is Acts nine. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on the way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice to him saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. Here's how Johnny Cash extrapolates that a little bit. This is how we're going to end. Um, the earth shuddered. Or did it tremble in fear and wonder? The ground shook, the stones moved, limbs fell from the trees, and dust quickly arose from the ground in every direction. Before he could cry out, he was overwhelmed by pure light. The awesome brilliance of a light far greater than the sun burst forth through the gulf between heaven and earth. The Shekinah glory streamed with such force that Saul and his companions fell to the ground. The nucleus of the light's power appeared before his eyes in such splendor that instant prostration was the result. One moment he was on his feet, the next he was on his back, his face blistered and his hair singed. Through the center from which the light emanated had been before him, he felt its heat all over his body. He quivered in shock. The light, the beautiful, horrible light, and there before his eyes manifested physically in glorified reality for just a split second was the figure of the man in white. The man carried to the earth to appear before Saul in a stream of wonderful, dazzling beauty, a flowing stream of divine substance, came in a white so white, so pure, so brilliant, that his eyes were seared and scaled over. He raised his head from the ground to try to look at the man in white, but he was blind. On the back of his eyelids was a negative of the man, a negative so clear that his inner vision strained against looking, even looking at the negative. But his mind remembered every detail of the man. He would never forget the image. In startled wonder, he recalled a magnificent sight that struck him blind. The man's bare feet shone like gold, much, much brighter than the polished brass lamps that hung from chains in the synagogue. There was a well-heeled wound on the arch of each foot, each foot even the wounds sparkled and shone. And he goes on, and I'll talk about how he had to become blind in order to see, um, and how he was, uh, uh, in fact, received that revelation um, of the gospel in his uh, in his time where he could see only the negative, the seared image of Christ, the man in white, behind his eyelids. Um, it's fanciful, but it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, 
that's what I wanted to say. Um, any questions or thoughts before we wrap up? You can let the kids and all. So. It's good to be back. So let's pray. Lord, take this time humbly offered and make it yours. Be at work in such a way that this would be your work um, done in its way and not lack for anything that's needed. Um, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.